Being a Christian doesn't mean that we don't sin. It means that we're forgiven. And we should thank him for that forgiveness and acknowledge our sin. So when you snap at your wife or grumble against your boss at work or deceive someone you're talking to, whatever it is, if you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit says to you, that was wrong, you shouldn't have done that. And he's using his word often to teach us that these things are sin. Confession is to agree with him. You're right. It was. It is. Thank you for dying for that sin. We're prone to say, well, I didn't really mean it that way. Or, you know, make excuses for what he's putting his finger on. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Jesus Said, Pray. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. We're going to take a second look today at the Lord's Prayer, or what people commonly call the Lord's Prayer. Actually, it's the Lord teaching on prayer and probably more appropriately called Disciples' Prayer. Uh, I mentioned that last time we looked at it, that uh, the Lord really wouldn't pray this prayer because it includes what All my prayers need to include, it seems to me, and that is confession of sin. But uh, just the same, it's exciting to take a second look at it. Prayer is, is very, very encouraging. It's a huge privilege. This morning, uh, as, it, as every morning at our church out in Beaverton, why people gathered at 6.30 this morning to pray. And uh, they didn't gather where they normally do in the coffee corner. They gathered upstairs in, in, uh, I don't suppose they call it the upper room, but you could. Because we men had monopolized the coffee corner and the whole foyer. There was about 150 of us gathered. On Wednesdays, we're gathering and studying Ephesians together. It was just a rich time. But when the time in Ephesians was over, I came around the corner and uh, actually met a new gal who had come to the prayer time and uh, just she'd never been even to our church. She just looked it up and came to that prayer time. And so I asked her, I said, what's your spiritual background? And, uh, you know, I didn't ask her like that, I hope, uh, because obviously I introduced myself and I just visited with her there in the foyer just a bit. And she said, well, you know, I really don't. uh, She said, my parents went to church, but not very much. But she had, you know, but she said, my grandmother used to pray for me and I need prayer. And she began to weep. And uh, so I said, oh, can I pray for you? And she said, yeah, you can. I didn't know how to pray, but I prayed uh, that the Lord, that she would know that the Lord uh, loved her and the great proof of that love. And I tell you this, too. No matter who you are, the great proof of that love is that he gave his only son for you. He demonstrated his love. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he didn't spare his own son. He'll give you anything else you need. And if you put your faith in Christ, you become his child, you're born again. You can ask for anything. And actually, as the Lord would have it, I had just come from this Ephesians study where we were studying that day. And not studying, we were just mulling it over and letting it speak to us. Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, where he said... He can, he's able to do anything. 
He's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. And I was able to assure my new friend uh, that, you know, you can pray. Uh, God is able to do anything. And so I, I share that with you because I think everyone instinctively, she, she needed prayer. And, and uh, she sensed that. And so she came where she figured she could find some people and did. She found her way up to that upper room somehow. She got the map on that building and, and actually found it. And uh, I encourage you that if you come in Jesus' name, you can come right into the presence of God Almighty. Well, Jesus here... Uh, was teaching us how to pray. And let me read it, and then we'll get into it, because this is our second look, and I'm not going to spend all... Uh, we, we can't take the time to review everything we said last time, but he said, verse 9, Matthew... Did I tell you where? Matthew 6, verse 9. We're, and by the way, if you're new here, what we do is we just go through a book of the Bible, so we're just moving through Matthew, and we're in the middle of Jesus' most famous sermon, where he takes a moment to teach on prayer. Verse 9, pray then in this way. And let me just say, he tells us who know him to pray. Pray in this way. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we looked at the first part of this, and so I'll just remind you that his prayer, as he teaches us to pray, it begins with uh, your name. Your kingdom, your will. When you pray, it is healthy. And he didn't say this is exactly how to pray. People have taken this prayer and just repeated it with, with you know, repetition as if that's, there's merit in that. And he just said uh, in the earlier verses, don't just pray with meaningless repetition. But the principles here are true. When you jump into prayer, go ahead and pray however you, what's on your heart. But stop and remember who you're talking to. Hallowed be your name. You're in heaven, Father. Your name is holy. Uh, and it's always healthy to put his interests ahead of ours. Instead of just coming to him with a grocery list of things. Here's what I need. Here's what my will is. Here's what my kingdom should be. You know, pray with gratitude. Uh, hallowed be your name. He is the Holy One. And by the way, Jesus said on other occasions, he taught elsewhere, to pray in my name. So it's a healthy thing to do just that. I mean, literally. Uh, not just tag it on at the end of a prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. Kind of like yours truly, <laughs> signing off. But to start, uh, I come in your name. I come in the name of Christ. I don't come in my name. And so uh, he starts, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Oh, he wants, and we should, God's kingdom to come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, is how the Bible closes. You say, what does that look like? Well, read on. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When he comes, when he sets his kingdom up here on earth and he's coming back, why his will will be done here on earth just like it is in heaven. And I love that phrase. Uh, That's a great way to pray. Uh, Your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. You know, in heaven there's no debate. When he says what he wants, everybody in heaven obeys. Uh, We've got a world gone askew and chaotic because we don't always obey. But uh, we want his will and his will on earth just like it is in heaven. That's a great definition of uh, his kingdom and his reign in our lives. So he starts with three requests about your name, your kingdom, your will. Then notice, and here's where we'll pick it up in more detail, there's three requests for us. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, our debts. And don't lead us into temptation. We uh, move, and prayer is like this. You can move from the high and exalted view that you're talking to God Almighty, the hallowed one, the holy one, right down to bread, daily bread, food, needs. Uh, You and I need daily food. And it's uh, humbling, is it not? The richest man in the world needs food. (laughs) The people with the most clout and maybe don't sense that they have need of God for anything, they get just as hungry as you and me if they miss a few meals. And actually, it's a humbling thing in a very good sense of the word. Uh, Here in the 21st century, we still need, we're still dependent on the Lord for food. Uh, vegetables, fruit, grain, even red meat, you know, it all comes from him. Uh, And we should remember that. And I think when he says, give us this day, our daily bread, food kind of represents the daily necessities. I need oxygen. I can't, I can't live without air. He's got to keep my heart beating. Or it won't beat. It's good to remember all these things when we pray. Uh, and we need it daily. Uh, it, you know, I think it's good to pray for spiritual food too. Uh, because Jesus said earlier in this book, man can't live on bread alone. Most of us have too much food in America. We're blessed with so much. And we're trying to cut back and watch it, you know, and that sort of thing. But uh, we need spiritual food too. And he said, you know, you can't really live on bread alone. You need every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I would say pray for daily food, period. But don't over-spiritualize this. Uh, Pray for your daily needs. But I think it's a healthy thing to pray for daily bread from God, his word. Uh, When he used to feed them manna, remember they couldn't really store it overnight? You remember that? If they did, it got foul. It was needed to be fresh every day. And I find that's true in my life with his word. Uh, There's a sense in which if you've logged time in his word, there's a backlog of health and vitality in your life. 
But don't try living on yesterday's food all the time. If you do, I don't care how much you've been in the Bible, you go a week without God's word and you're going to start to lose your joy, lose your edge. Uh, you know, daily, daily bread. We need daily food. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts just as also we have forgiven our debtors. Um, we need daily food. We need daily forgiveness. We need daily forgiveness. Um, I have found in my Christian life, since I came to know Christ, that daily confession is essential. A, a young, young guy then, but who was mentoring me when I was at Portland State, uh, and uh, he, he was four or five years ahead of me, and, so, and he was ahead of me in the Lord. He, he said, keep short accounts, Scott, with the Lord. And what he meant, he went on to explain, is when you sin, confess it. Don't let it pile up. Don't rationalize it. And he taught me that being a Christian doesn't mean that we don't sin. It means that we're forgiven, and we should thank him for that forgiveness and acknowledge our sin. Confession is really just saying the same thing. It's from a compound word that means to say the same thing God is saying. So when you snap at your wife or grumble against your boss at work or deceive someone you're talking to, whatever it is, if you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit says to you, that was wrong, you shouldn't have done that. And he's using his word often to teach us that these things are sin. Confession is to agree with him. You're right. It was. It is. Thank you for dying for that sin. We're prone to say, well, I didn't really mean it that way. Or, you know, make excuses for what he's putting his finger on. Say the same thing. Confess your sin. Uh, if you have an Old Testament, turn to Psalm 32. I said this is one reason why I wouldn't call this the Lord's Prayer, but uh, rather disciples' prayer because Jesus never prayed, forgive me my sins. He had none. In fact, it's interesting to note, I think I mentioned this last time, but you'll never find him praying with others. Even in the crunch time at Gethsemane, remember, he said, watch and pray, pray. And then he went a stone's throw away and prayed. Because he can't enter into this kind of confession. But the son of David can't, but David could. David was a man after God's own heart. But David, his prayers, we resonate with because he was a fellow sinner who needed forgiveness. And I had you turn to Psalm 32 because there's two or three psalms where David really confesses his sin. And I want to jump into it in the middle of it. Verse 3, Psalm 32. When I kept silent about my sin, God was saying, hey, that's sin. And he was saying, mm -mm, he was staying silent. He wasn't going to confess it. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. 
through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. If you've uh, walked very far with the Lord, you've probably found yourself in verse 3 and 4. Not wanting to confess sin, wishing you didn't have to, and as you ignore it and try to move on, it just weighs you down. Verse 3 and 4, very real. But look at verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you. David got to that point. And in fact, it took a prophet coming to him and pointing at him. And sometimes it takes a prophet, the word of God, speaking right to our heart. And sometimes that's one reason we don't like to open the Bible, because it speaks to our sin. But when God's word hit home, he confessed his sin. I acknowledged my sin to you. My iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. No wonder, David said, look at verse 1 now, how blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. I'll tell you, there's something about confessing sin. And so Jesus said, ask for daily bread, ask for daily forgiveness. Oh, forgive us our debts as we forgive those whom we have wronged. And uh, notice, look back at the prayer now, because Jesus uh, says something quite pointed here. He says, when we pray, we pray for forgiveness as we have forgiven others. Uh, this does not teach that we are forgiven by or because of our forgiving others. No, we're forgiven because Jesus Christ died for sinners. But those who are forgiven are those who are penitent. And part of repentance is realizing how sinful your sin really is. And once you come to that place where you realize what you have done against God and you confess your sin. And when you first come to Christ, then it is to characterize our lives that we forgive others. We see the enormity of our sin and we'll quit holding little grudges against others. It doesn't mean we'll do that perfectly, but it's the only rational thing to do. And so Jesus, in chapter 18, he's going to tell another whole story about this, how foolish it would be to be forgiven a million bucks and then hold, you know, somebody hostage for ten dollars he says your sin was so much greater that you've been forgiven you forgive others and that's the characteristic of christians in fact i was with a brand new christian uh this week and he he told me he said man he said because he's got a whole new group of friends now people who know christ he says you guys and everybody i'm meeting he said it's just so different than the people I hang... And they're nice people. He didn't want me to think ill of the people that he'd been hanging out with before he came to Christ. But he said, but they're not you and they're not me now. Because he's realizing he's a new person in Christ. And he's finding the forgiveness and the love and the care. He said, and we really do care about each other. And he's just experiencing it for the first time. And it was uh, pretty rich just to visit with him. Well, he says, give us this day our daily bread. That's physical. 
Forgive us our sins, that's spiritual, and then moral, verse 13. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, This is not a request to God, don't tempt me, Lord, because the Bible says he doesn't. God doesn't tempt us. He'll test us, but he doesn't tempt us. James 1 says he he does not tempt us. Rather, it's the heart of one that humbly knows his own propensity to sin. When we come before the Lord, it's don't you instinctively agree with verse 13? Oh, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. We instinctively know that uh, I'm not a match for situations I could get in. Oh, Lord, protect me. Keep me from sin. Uh, Lead me not into a place where I would be vulnerable, but get me out of there. That's the prayer. And it's really, uh, I think, look over at chapter 26, just to glance ahead, because Jesus doesn't quit teaching about prayer. Uh, I mentioned Gethsemane already. Uh, When he was in the garden, he said, Matthew 26, verse 41, Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I have found, and I actually, I, I can tell you, it's not my habit. I'm not saying it's not a good habit. I'm just saying it's not my habit. It has not been my habit to pray what we call the Lord's Prayer repeatedly. I, I can say it, I'll bet. I'll bet you can too, many of you, because you, you know, there, it's been rehearsed so much. But this phrase of this prayer, I have found a home base for me time and time again. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I think that's a good one to pray. Every phrase in this prayer is, but that one is one that I think our hearts can really, uh, and it's in obedience, oh, Watch, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, we can relate to that. Well, he closes, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, that is in my Bible in brackets, if you notice that. Is it in yours? Uh, there's a little bit of a textual question there. Every now and then, the English Bible will signify that there's a textual issue. Uh, So they don't know for sure whether this was in the original uh, text or not. But as you look at it, you think it's certainly appropriate that this prayer come back around to praise. It started with praise, and it's certainly fitting that it close with praise. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Jesus Said, Pray, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. 
we have a new app available called the Abide app. It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Along with the sermon library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please consider downloading the Abide app in either the Apple or Google App Stores. We'd love to get this valuable resource into your hands. Did you know Abide in the Word is available every day on Facebook? Well, right along with our daily podcast on iTunes and Google Play, our daily messages are posted to Facebook as well. You can find them at facebook.com slash abide in the word. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Contentment is not achieved by accumulating treasure down here on earth and status by the way there's nothing wrong with status it's just who do you want the status with uh and most of us spend way too much time about horizontal status and uh what jesus would have us fix our attention on is our standing with god and uh, so having said that the old man the way we used to think looks for those things in the wrong places. The new man, when you come to Christ, there's a new transformation, and we look for security in Him, and we find contentment in Him, and we find our greatest joy, not in pleasing men, but pleasing Him. Join us again next time as we continue on our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled, Where is Your Heart? Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.